Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. this episode, we're going to continue our series, Discerning the Call of God, as we continue our study, Qualifications for Ministry, Part 4. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, Episode 20. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. We're recording on my back porch, enjoying the summer here in East Tennessee. And so if you hear some birds chirping, some dogs barking, or a mower mowing, uh, that's what that sound is in the background. But we're going to continue our series, uh, Discerning the Call of God. And we've been doing a mini-series within that series uh, on qualifications for ministry as we uh, study First Timothy chapter number 3. And we've been going through that, and there was one section of that in verse number uh, two that I skipped and I've put off until this moment, and so we're going to do that uh, in this episode. So let's read First Timothy chapter number three. We're going to read the first two verses. Paul writes to Timothy that the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable and able to teach. So we're going to look at, uh, in this episode, that uh, requirement, able to teach. I know we've already looked at verses 1 and 2, and I skipped able to teach because I wanted to have a, uh, a lesson or an episode just to focus on that. So we're going to look at being able to teach. This is the qualification that's very important uh, if you're going to be an overseer. Thus far, we've looked at uh, in these this quick study, this mini-series, that everything is pointing towards uh, the man of God's character. Uh, it is his spiritual maturity. It is uh, his sanctification. It is his relationship, not just with uh, people that he might serve in a congregation or a class or a youth ministry, but it is in his home. It is in the community. Uh, and here now he gives uh, the one skill that you're going to have to have if you're going to be an overseer, if you're going to be a, uh, be a part of the ministry, you're going to have to be able to preach. You're going to have to be able to teach. Charles Spurgeon said this, gentlemen, if you cannot preach, God did not call you to preach, end quote. Uh, that's, that's very important. Uh, all the other qualities we've looked at in this mini-series in 1 Timothy chapter number 3. Every Christian, every man of God, every minister, whether you're in the ministry or if you're serving in your church as uh, vocational ministry, janitor, uh, usher, uh, you know, a teacher in a Christian school, everyone's going to have to be hospitable. Everyone's going to have to be growing in godliness and righteousness uh, everyone's going to have to be serving their home well, leading their home well. But here's the one thing that's going to separate uh, the ministry from all the other ministries, and that's being able to preach. All the requirements thus far that we've studied in, in this mini-series uh, has been spiritual qualifications. Now we're going to look at the skill, the one skill that Paul lists in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 is that you're going to have to be able uh, to preach God's word. The qualifying marks of the overseers are rooted in the hearts uh, and the attitudes of the man of God. 
Spiritual health and vitality are essential. Uh, the private and home life of the minister are to be spiritually sound. However, Paul uh, doesn't include in these, these qualifications leadership styles, charisma, IQ, uh, your management skills, or how creative you are, or how large your congregation should be. But the man of God must be able to teach and preach the Word of God. The man divinely called of God is graced with the ability to preach and teach God's Word. Uh, the Greek phrase uh, translated in the English, able to teach, occurs only in 1 Timothy 3 and 2 and 2 Timothy 2 and 24. Uh, and it is defined as able to explain God's word with skill. Not all are called to the ministry will preach. Uh, there are those who are great administrators. There are those who are great managers. Uh, there are those who are very creative. There are those who uh, can uh, play uh, music and lead worship teams. But they may not necessarily be called to preach. And that's okay. And the reason why I've really put off this lesson uh, to have its own lesson is to let you understand if you're not called to preach that's okay uh, but if you're called to the ministry if you're a part of that Ephesians uh, what Paul lies out in Ephesians the fivefold ministry is what we call that whether it's apostle prophet pastor teacher evangelist you're going to have to be able to preach but if you don't that's okay you can find your place in ministry in the body of Christ if you can't preach that's okay uh, but if you're going to be in that fivefold apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, you're going to have to be able to preach. And you're going to have to be able to preach it with skill, okay? So we're looking at this being able to teach. Now, Paul says this again, and he kind of summarizes it the same way in um, Titus chapter number one. I want to read that Titus chapter number one, verses five through nine. A lot of the same things we've already read in first Timothy chapter number three, but he expands on it or even summarizes it a little bit. This is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but he must be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. All those things uh, we can see in 1 Timothy chapter number 3. But look at this part here. Uh, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So the man of God, the minister, if you're in the ministry, uh, you're an overseer, you must hold firm to the trustworthy word of God as it has been taught. So we're, we're holding on to, uh, to orthodox teaching. We're holding on to historical doctrines. We're holding on to what the scripture says. It's, uh, it's trustworthy. It is what has been taught to us. We're not coming up with some new doctrine or some new teaching. Uh, not only are we fitting it into the framework of uh, holy scripture, but it has been historically proven and taught so that he may be able, look at this, to give instruction in, in sound doctrine. So, what you hold on to what you have been taught from Scripture, and you are able to give instruction in sound doctrine. So, what you have been taught, you now teach. 
You have to be skillful with the word of the Lord. You must be able to teach it accurately. You must be able to teach it clearly. You must be able to teach it in love uh, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So sound doctrine has to be taught so we can uh, rebuke false doctrine. We can correct error. The only way you're going to be able to correct error is to know truth. And so you must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught and then skillfully uh, rebuke, refute false doctrine and error. And so this goes to show that as the man of God, you're not just reaching people who are uh, unbelievers with the gospel, but you're going to have to correct false doctrine that can creep in. What's the one thing every epistle uh, alludes to in, in, in some shape or fashion is false doctrine, false teachers, error creeping into the church. Paul, Peter, James, Jude, they're all trying to tell everyone, stay with sound doctrine. Rebuke those who would uh, try to creep in. Uh, you know, you have to fight against false doctrine. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to be able to skillfully teach and preach God's word. So yes, you're going to be preaching the gospel to save souls. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. But you're also going to have to rebuke false doctrine and error and correct it. But you're going to have to hold on to what you know and be able to skillfully and accurately teach scripture. Now, what are we to preach? The scriptures, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Look what Paul says. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. I mean, he is putting it right down to where Timothy's at. I want you to see how grave of a situation that, that you're in, that you're, you're doing this in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. And he's going to judge the living and the dead by his appearing. I mean, he's, he's, he's adding some, some, some weighty words to this charge here. What's the charge? The charge is to preach the word. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's go, by his appearance going to judge the living and the dead. Preach the word. And that's what you're going to be judged by. That's why James can say, not many of you should be teachers. Not many of you should be masters. Because we have a great responsibility to accurately preach and teach the scriptures. And so he is saying, preach the word because you're going to be, you're going to be judged by God, uh, by what you preach. Uh, and that's why you must do it with skill. You must do it with accuracy because you just preach the word. You're not preaching the latest self-help book. You're not preaching the latest uh, motivational leadership skills that you've heard online and YouTube and all that great stuff. Uh, you're not preaching the latest cultural uh, and uh, psychobabble, uh, all the pop culture and all the things that are coming. Preach the word because that's what's going to save souls. That's what's going to refute false doctrine. Preach the word. Our main source of our preaching and teaching is the scripture. You can get illustrations from other places. You can get ideas and thoughts from other things, but it better be backed up with scripture and it better be done with sound doctrine. You don't try to fit scripture with the illustration. Uh, and I've done it. I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it as well. Uh, but to your best ability, 
derive every sermon, every lesson from Scripture. You can get inspired from an article you've read. I've done it many, multiple times. Uh, But make sure it's bolstered with sound doctrine because that's what people need. Uh, That's what the church needs. That's what the sinner and the saint need. They need Scripture. They need a healthy diet of Scripture. You are to feed the flock of God. And you don't feed them self-help. You don't feed them the the, the latest uh, business books. Uh, You feed them Scripture because that's the thing that is going to always work. Doctrine's not dry. Preaching is dry. So don't let your preaching be dry. Don't bore people with the Scripture. Inspire them with the Scripture. So we are to preach the Scripture. But if we're going to preach the Scripture, we need to study Scripture. You need to spend time studying the Bible. Read that thing through Genesis to Revelation, whether it takes you one year, two years, three years, takes you 90 days, 120 days. Just just read lots of Scripture. Study it. Find one Bible book and, and break it down. Study it. Get commentaries uh, to help you. And I've got a whole series uh, called The Preaching Lab to help you there uh, in the podcast if you want to go back and listen to those. But study to show thyself approved unto God. You're, you are, if, if our preaching is going to be judged by God, our studying is going to be judged by God. And if you say, so I don't have anything to preach, study, 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 study. Well, I'm not preaching this week. I'm not preaching next week. I may not be preaching this month. Joseph uh, looked at Pharaoh and, and interpreted the dream and said, there's going to be seven years of plenty, and it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. You don't know when the dry season is going to come, so you might as well prepare now. Study like you're preaching tomorrow. Study like you're preaching every week. Whether you're not, just prepare because you never know when you're going to get the call. That's why he can say, be ready in season and out of season. You might be out of season, but you're going to have to preach, and it's going to be important that you are studying. Uh, And so, You need a healthy diet of Scripture in your own life to also give to your people. Uh, He also may give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Preach the word, be be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in teaching. Now, the Scriptures are to be the basis of of our preaching and teaching. Okay, for all Scriptures, let's go to 2 Timothy 3. Uh, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, okay? For reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So here's the thing. Scripture is breathed out by God. God is the author of scripture. He's the inspirer of scripture. And that's what, if we're going to preach about God, we must study the scriptures. Don't buy into this new uh, fangled thing. It's actually it's it's a it's an old it's an old hag dressed up in a new dress that Andy Stanley's preaching that we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Uh, that is uh, that's an that's an old error that he, he's brought into the modern day. Uh, the old the Old Testament un, 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 un it's veiling Christ, but the New Testament reveals Him, and you can't understand the New Testament without the Old. Uh, and so preach all of Scripture. All Scripture is inspired of God. And if God is the author of all Scripture, all Scripture must be preached. 
Uh, and so those who would say, we don't need the Old Testament, don't listen. That's an old hag dressed up in a, dressed up in a new dress. <clears throat> all Scripture is breathed out by God, and all of it is profitable. Well, what is a profit? It means you are getting something. You are gaining something. Your people are getting something from Scripture. They're not going to find gain in the, the, the latest uh, psychobabble. They're going to have spiritual gain from Scripture that is inspired of God, and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. So it's profitable, it's inspired of God, and so it's profitable for teaching. Scripture must be the content of our preaching and teaching. We teach the sinner to repent of his sins and turn towards Christ. We instruct the Christian how to live according to the Scriptures. So as we teach, we're teaching the Scriptures. We are expounding on the Scriptures. We are uh, breaking it down and we are interpreting it uh, and applying it to their own lives. Next, Scripture is profitable for reproof. Reproving carries the idea of rebuking in order to provoke change. And so we are rebuking with Scripture, just as he writes in, Tim, in, in Titus, excuse me, uh, that he may rebuke those who contradict it. Uh, sometimes lives contradict Scripture. And so we have to rebuke it with Scripture. And so we're, we're trying to provoke a change, the change in the sinner to believe on Christ, uh, to repent of his sins, uh, to turn towards godliness. And then we're trying to correct error. Uh, we're trying to correct the Christian who may be getting cold or lukewarm. And so we're, we are reproving in order to provoke change. Now, then he says it's profitable for correction. So as we reprove, the man of God reproves, he's giving the correction. He points out the sin, but then he points to Christ. He points out the correct way. And you have to do this in love. You're not doing this out of preference. You're doing this from scripture. And if, you know, we would we would we would save ourselves a lot of a lot of trouble if we would stop preaching our personal preferences and we're uh, preaching Christ's preferences and preaching the scripture. And if we would reprove with the Scripture, we can also correct with the Scripture as well. So we're, uh, it's profitable for teaching, it's profitable for reproof, and now it's profitable to correct what we have reproved. And then finally, Scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. The Bible is used to instruct and train. Uh, it is building up, it is improving the spiritual man. We are helping people. We're doing this in love. And so these are the things that Scripture is used for. So we are to teach Scripture with skill and to to help the sinner. We are to help the saint. And we are helping the church. We're feeding the flock of God. And we must be able to do that with skill. Now, let me go back to this as I, as I conclude. The man of God, as we looked at all these qualifications, you have to be able to preach because that is our main responsibility. Our main responsibility is to preach the word. And if you can't do that, that's okay. You still have a significant part in the body of Christ. You can still have a discipleship, uh, be, a, be a part of a discipleship program with and helping people and serving people, but it may not be teaching and preaching. You may love discussing the scripture. You may love hearing the word of God taught but it may not be your calling to be a preacher, to expound and teach the scriptures, and that's okay. I've seen a lot of well-intentioned uh, men 
feel this this call, feel this uh, this this ministry, this burden, and they immediately gravitate towards a pulpit. And I've seen men. I've seen well-intentioned men feel this call and immediately think that they're called to preach. And then when they do it, it doesn't work out. It's not what happens. They get frustrated. I've seen many of them backslide. Uh, and, it, and and I don't want to see anyone shipwrecked. That's the whole point of this series is helping you discern the call of God. And if anything, if I can do is to help you discern that you don't have to be a preacher to be called. You don't have to be a pastor to be called. We're all called to be uh, disciples, and we're all called to minister, but not everyone's called to the ministry. But if you're going to be in the ministry, you're going to have to be able to teach. And so as we're praying, as we're seeking the Lord, we're trying to discern the call of God. We're growing in the spiritual well-being. We're growing in spiritual maturity, and we're growing in sanctification. But you must be able to feel and discern whether or not you're called to preach and and understand that that is the main responsibility of the ministry. You're going to have to do other things as well. We're going to have to be able to manage people. We're going to have to be able to counsel. We're going to have to be able to have some vision. We're going to have to have all of those things. But the one thing you're going to have to do is preach. And you're going to have to be able to preach with skill. And if God has called you to the ministry and he's calling you to preach, he will anoint you, he will equip you, and he will gift you with the great calling and the great responsibility of preaching his word. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information and episodes, go to nswhitley.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Cut It Straight podcast on iTunes. Go to Facebook and search for N.S. Whitley and like and share my page. And follow me on Twitter at N.S. Whitley.